Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. I'm, I'm teaching on uh, the, the, the power of love in the area of faith. Now, we understand that there's these three supporting powers to faith. Faith does not work alone. It can't work alone. It must have these three supporting, uh, like, guy wires that hold up this massive tower of faith. And so it needs these three things. And the first thing we talked about was what? Hope. Correct. The second thing was patience. Amen. And y'all, y'all understand what patience is because patience is that picture of the hours before the Thanksgiving dinner when all you do is smell the dinner. <laughs> patience, amen, patience. It's very tough, especially when you're doing a lot of the cooking, to have patience. So you have to do what? Cheat, you know, a little bit here, a little bit there. But the thing is, is we talked about patience and last week, love. And man, that was some good stuff last week, was it not? Just the power of love is just amazing. An area where most of us look at our lives and and we don't want to have any torment in our lives, anxiety, anything that's going to cause disruption. And we deal with it a lot in life. And God's word says how to take care of that. And it says perfect love cast out fear. And so we recognize that when we have perfect love, and we all understand what the word perfect means, it's not in the, in the understanding of a perfect as in this is perfect, nothing's better. Perfect love is the place of maturity, full grown. Maturity, full grown love. That helps you understand because first and foremost, to label perfect in anything in our lives is something we don't see. We are never going to see perfect other than we're perfect in Christ or we're perfect tied to Jesus. You can make the comments. But the point is, is our actions in life, we don't attain perfection. If you think you are, you are or you can, you don't understand what perfect is. God's word is perfect. And we strive toward that perfect word. But you're never going to be perfect. Everything in, in our lives, everything we have, everything we look at and say, oh, that's perfect. It can be better next year or next month or next day. No matter what you see as perfect, it can always be worked on. Do you see that? So we recognize that and we look at that and we go, okay, perfect in the area of growth. Everybody say growth. Okay, that then should help you. And in the helping is this, that things in my life need to grow or mature. Well, take it, take it out of Bible context or church context and put it in common sense context. That's all you've known in life. You were birthed on this earth and you grew. And in the growing in your physical body, in your soul, the mind, the will, the intellect, as you grew, you were able to receive an experience up to the level of understanding. Is this correct or not? That's a natural principle. Well, that's exactly what this word's saying. It's saying the failure or the defeats in your life are tied to growth, 
in understanding and knowledge. Now, does that mean that your failure deletes you or it puts you in a position of, of a loser? No, but it does in religion. And we all, and I'll guarantee you, many of us understand that because there are times when you screw up or you, you fail and all of a sudden religion looks at you and says, well, you ain't going to heaven. God doesn't love you. God doesn't like you. God doesn't get, and, and that's how we operate because we don't understand. But when you understand his word, you recognize that this whole walk is a process of growth. Now, let me ask you something. Do you have just one area of growth in your life or do you have many areas of growth in your life? Many areas of growth. Exactly. You have many areas. There are some areas that you have some, I mean, you're strong in. You have a good foundation, areas that you're secure in. But there's other areas you're like a little toddler. And anything moves, you're like, ooh, scared and everything. That's because you have to grow. But we can't lump it all in one area. And that's what religion does. It looks at the one area and says, you're a loser. Are you guys hearing? This is so important because for this past year, I've been really... Personally, just what I personally have been doing, I've been looking at the words of Jesus and I've been really um, paying attention to everything in, in a different light, in a different way. And so what it does is it opens up so much in, in, the, in my gifting or ability to teach the word of God. And by paying attention to everything he says in a, in, in a way where I don't just hear the words, I see the words. And how I see it is, as I pay attention to the, the, the information, the context, what's happening. And I was looking at where um, Jesus was telling the disciples, he's saying, listen, you guys, and, and remember, this is for us as well. He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. Okay, so he's, he's telling them, you guys got to be cautious of this, of, of religion out there. And he says, leaven, he didn't say the, the demonic influence or the evil instruction. He said, leaven. And, and so I'm paying attention to the words he's using. Because there's a reason why he's using it. So he uses leaven, and I've seen my wife bake, and she does some awesome baking. And she'll use leaven. She has leaven. Um, I think it's like her friend in her sourdough. I mean, the way she treats that leaven, um, I don't know how old it is now, but it's surprised we don't have birthdays for the leaven. But, <laughs> but the thing is, is she has that leaven, but it's only used in a little bit. But it affects the whole thing that whatever she's using it in. And so Jesus used that term. He said, be careful in the leaven, the tiniest, tiny little thing that it can affect the whole thing. Be careful in the leaven. And then he says this in Matthew 16, he says this. And this is what I was paying attention to. And this isn't my teaching, but it's just something I feel I need to share. Because it really touched home with me yesterday. And he said, he asked a question, who do men say that I am? What did he just finish saying? Be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. Then he said, who do men say that I am? 
And then they answered him. And so I'm looking at this. I'm going, this is interesting. Now, I've read it 100,000 times. I mean, I've read it so many times. I've seen it so many times. I've taught different messages on this. But I've seen it in a whole different light. And the Lord was showing something very powerful. He said, who do men say that I am? But I'm remembering, what's the context of what he's talking about? He's talking about beware of the religious. Who do men say that I am? Who's he talking to? His disciples. And then his disciples say, some say, and they throw out, you know, John the Baptist, Elijah. So I'm paying attention to the words, and, and they were comments that someone religious would say. Not a non-religious person, but someone religious would make that statement. You hear what I'm saying? But the thing I'm looking at is his disciples knew what men, religious, were saying about him. And I'm thinking right there, I'm going, wait a minute. Should they know what they're saying about him? Why would he say, be careful of the leaven? And then he asks this question, who do men say that I am? And they say, some say. Elijah, some say. John the Baptist. And they're making comments of what the religions say about Jesus. And right there went, they shouldn't be answering that question. But they are. And right away in my spirit, I felt the Lord say, that's why you got to be careful on who you listen to. And it brought to attention over the years, I get, I have to help people or, or talk to people that get, start going off and not to say, that, who are you listening to? Because I can tell you right now, what I'm talking about is what y'all know. Who are you watching on YouTube? Who are you listening to? What analytics is Google throwing your way? And the people just start listening to anything and everything to all of a sudden they're just down a path that, that is, is la-la land. And now they're Leaven that they received has affected their faith. Because I hear the comment. I hear the next statements. I hear the actions of the wrong teachings. And it's so available out there. It used to be where you could only turn it to one channel. All 24-hour Christian channel. Or turn it to one Christian radio station that had different teachings on it. And you could see just in that, that you could hear something you didn't agree with, but wait an hour because someone will totally teach something opposite. So it didn't matter you seeing the picture of all these viewpoints and all these thoughts. And it's just one Bible. And I thought this can be really messed up if we open up ourselves to all kinds of wackiness out there, especially when things get tough. Things get rocked. The world turned upside down. Pandemics, wars, rumors of wars. All of a sudden, you have all the hippie prophets out there and all the super prophetesses and all the crazy you know, pastors or whatever. All these people got to now start telling you what you need to be afraid of. Manipulating by fear. Followed through by an offering. 
point is, is it's crazy out there. I mean, there are all kinds of people out trying to put, you know, the, the vaccine as, you know, the mark of the beast. And if you're out there listening to all that garbage, I mean, you're, you're probably really scared. It's not the mark of the beast. Just so you, you understand that, all right? If you've been starting to be led astray by the leaven you're listening to. But people are listening to all kinds of stuff. Listen, it's what we do. When we don't have answers, we want answers. Right or wrong, it doesn't matter. We're wanting something to fill that gap. What I've taught, and I've taught this for years, when I, I started teaching this when I was um, a youth pastor and I, I, and I worked with college age kids as well. There was always the question of life. Who am I going to marry? And when am I going to do this? And how am I going to do this? And it was constant. Over the years, constant. Everybody wants answers to all their questions. And one day I thought, you know what, God, this is crazy because these people are asking questions that they ought not to be asking. I mean, they can't even, you know, they're driving their mom's car to church, you know, and they can't, they're asking, you know, about marriage. And I'm thinking, dude, you can't even take care of yourself right now. And, and, and so I'm seeing all this and I'm thinking, how do I deal with this? And inside the Lord told me, he said, are they qualified to ask that question? And I went, oh my gosh, you're so good. I mean, just so quickly, it, it just brings you to a different level with his insight. And so now when someone would come to me, I go, are you qualified to ask that question? And their next question is, what do you mean qualified? I go, that's the key to your life. Are you qualified? Is this a place where you can ask that question because you've gone through the test of time. You've gone through the, the college of life. You've gone through, I got a job and I get paid and I live you know, successfully. There's a good one. Uh, most single people don't want to look at that one. They just want to look at what kind of rims do they have? Yeah, you don't even know. Their dad owns the vehicle. You know, you don't have a clue. But I mean, it's, it's true though. We're, we're trying to fulfill our destiny and we're not even qualified. So the question, it, it's just like God in the, in the very beginning. You want to see a foundation of sin? See the beginning. And what do we see? Adam and Eve, high treason with God, sin. What do we see God do after the acknowledgement? Where are you, Adam? Well, we're hiding. You know, we heard, and we, you know, we're hiding. We're, we're, we're naked. And he makes a statement that we all should pay attention to. Who told you? See, we don't want to do that. But you need to pay attention to those words. You need to pay attention to the word of God. You need to pay attention to the words of Jesus. Who are you listening to? Who are you listening to? Because y'all out there, you know, on your Instagram, your Facebook, and your TikToks, and you're listening to stuff. You're listening to other people's viewpoints. You're listening to other doctrines. You listen to all kinds of stuff. And you don't think that can leaven you? Well, yeah, if you open your heart to it, it will. And it does the next step, which this is where people always get trapped. It causes questions. Why would it cause questions when you already had the answer before? Because you opened the door to leaven. 
And that's it. You open the door. You open up your heart to information that's contrary. Now, I get it if you don't know and you're just looking for answers, but you need to be cautious. You know, if I want to learn how to do plumbing, I don't go to an electrician or vice versa. I go to the one that knows what they're doing. And out there in la-la land, there is no credibility. Everybody's hidden. Everybody hides. Everybody fake. Because they want to present this picture that really isn't true, but they need to present it that way. I see it all the time. And it's so sad because there's no reality, but we're falling for it. And you don't think that's possible? Take away all this stuff, and it's what people do with Soap operas. I'm no serious. People, we, we get caught up in the, the wishful process of actors and actresses faking it. Right. Right. And we actually oh, look how they treat each other. That's a show. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. That's what people do. Why? Because we want that. Well, there's nothing wrong with wanting it, but you need to want it to where. Fruit has been established. This isn't something that's just on media, social media. It's something that's a proven fact of life. And that's what we all want in our own lives. Amen? We want the reality of it. So I was reading this and I'm thinking, okay, Jesus is saying, who do men say that I am? It would have been cool the disciples going, we could care less what they say. We know who you are. But they didn't do that, did they? No. And what did he say? Be careful. Be careful of the leaven of the Pharisees. Who do men, and these weren't normal people, these were religious people. And they're given their religious ideology, their religious thoughts about Jesus. And they heard them. And they made comment to them. And all of a sudden, Peter, you know, he's sitting there probably with them, talking the same way. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, but wait a minute. Who do you say that I am? He's talking to all of them. And I know there's a process of time. There's this thought process. And Peter says, you're, you're the Christ. You're the Christ. And Jesus then says, blessed are you, Simon. Not because you knew that, because God revealed it to you. And I stopped there because that was the most important statement of what I'm talking about is, is that that word, and that's what a rhema word is. See, the Old Testament revealed that Jesus was the Christ. Hundreds of scriptures revealed that Jesus was the Christ. Are you hearing me? But Peter got revelation through God revealed it. I thought it was so awesome because here we're seeing, you know, that word coming alive within him, the rhema word, and then it being spoken out. And Jesus said, blessed are you, empowered are you in life. Because God revealed that information to you. And so I looked at it and I thought, okay, so you have the world's view, you have religious views, and everybody wants to give their opinions. Because what do you say? Who do men say that I am? What does that mean? They're out talking about this. Hey, who do you think he is? Who do you think he is? What's your feeling? What's your opinion? I mean, that's, it's, it's like, you know, our day, but no social media. 
And all of a sudden, all the disciples, they know what they're saying. What did he say in the beginning? Be careful of who you're listening to. Amen? Yeah. Be careful. Now you may be thinking, you might be thinking, well, yeah, you're just, you know, you're, 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 you're telling us something that, you know, yeah, we should all know. And, and this is something in the Bible. Not, I'm talking about life, people. You want a better marriage, but you're talking to someone who has a messed up marriage and hates their husband, but you're talking to them. And all of a sudden, you're starting to hate yours. You're talking to people that have no success in relationships, and you're trying to get opinions from them. You need to be careful who you're listening to. When I'm talking, I'm not just talking Bible. I'm talking life, because Bible talks about life. And if there's something that God's showing us that, quote, is spiritual, I guarantee you it's all natural too because natural principles and spiritual truths line up hand in hand. So what do we have to do? Pay attention to his words. Pay attention to his words because when you get off, it's because you were listening to someone else. You were listening to someone else. It always starts that way. It started in the beginning that way and Jesus makes sure. And that's what people do. People love to have a cheerleading squad. They want to have a belief because they're offended or they're mad. So they find others that can hip, hip, hurrah with them. So they make sure their friends speak the same language. They have a difficulty with other people because they're not speaking the same language. And that in itself should be red flags. Don't get around people that are going to help you upward and forward not keep you in the same place. Do you understand? Same place is going backwards. And you don't want that in life. You don't want your kids that have that. You don't want that. Could you imagine a parent? You're just talking the same way with your kids instead of saying, no, you got to do it the right way. And then all of a sudden we become parents and we don't want to hear someone say that. We want people to agree with us. Well, parent, why don't you start agreeing with your child then? See, see how when we flip things, all of a sudden you're like going, oh, that's crazy. But why do we get so weird then? Why, how can we come become dumb? Because we lose sight of the importance of the small things, the important things, natural principles of life. Y'all hearing me? All right. Okay, I'm done spanking. Let's move on to the teaching. Because y'all acting like you just got spanked. The best thing in, the, in church is always act like he's talking to someone else and smile, even though you're getting spanked. I learned that principle a long time ago. Don't let him see your pain. Just, he ain't talking to me. Oh, this is terrible. I'm such a loser. So we look at the word of God and we found out, first of all, to, to not only recognize that love casts out fear, but love produces peace. And that peace is so, so valuable and important in this day and age, all day and ages, but peace is so important. Now, remember, we're talking scripture, we're talking Bible, we're talking, you know, spiritual things. But what does that really mean? That means peace means every area of your life. And you want peace in every area of your life. See, I can tell you there's certain areas that you have peace in. I can guarantee in that area of peace, there's, there's tremendous foundational knowledge in you. And you have peace. In the areas where you don't have peace, I'm telling you right now, there's going to be lacking knowledge. 
It's, it's how we are as human beings. The more information we have, the more secure we feel. So it's all tied to foundation. So we build foundation and we know that what? Storms will come. They, they will come. Life is not simple. Life is going to try to overcome you. That's the way life is. That's the way people are. That's the way society is. And so in that, the more found, founded we are on truth, the stronger we are to what? To know that we're going to get some pressing, some pressure. But again, Scripture says we will not be crushed. I can feel the pressure, but I won't be crushed. Well, why? Because God's word, God's understanding, God's knowledge in my life is, is over, it's, has the ability to handle any pressure coming in. Crushing means that the outward force is greater than inward. So you can, you can get a ball, a plastic ball, and push down and be a toddler and not be able to crush it. But if you get a teenager and press down, it'll get crushed. Why? Because the toddler's strength is not as strong as the strength of the ball itself. But you get an, a teen and press, his strength is stronger than the ball, which what? Causes a crushing. Well, the word of God says that you won't be crushed. And that means that whatever comes at you, the inward force, the inward force of God is enough to keep that pressure at bay. Let me ask you something. If there's pressure, does it mean you can't feel it? No, you can feel it. And that's what happens. We release the pressure inside because we feel pressure. So we feel it and we go, and all of a sudden we get crushed. How did it happen? We released pressure. How do you release pressure? What are you saying? What's coming out of your mouth? Y'all know this. Everybody in here knows it. You know the time when you stood. And when you've done all the stand, you stood. And you had it. And then you went through some stuff. You went through a series of issues, whatever. Someone let you down. You got mad at a pastor or whatever. Or your favorite TV preacher fell. Whatever the case may be. And all of a sudden, you you released those words. Oh, they're losers. I guess they never were. And all this stuff. And all of a sudden, pressure starts crushing on you. What does that mean? It means your life is your responsibility. Not because they stood or didn't stand. It's either going to believe this in your God, your Lord, amen, or it's because of their God, their Lord. Because people are going to let you down. People are going to fail. Is that what your excuse is? Are you going to... Because of them? I'm, ne- I'm not going to give no one that empowerment over my life. I, I have. I have through my journey. But I'm not going to. Amen? Not going to. Galatians 5, 6 says this. Faith works through love. Faith, what? Works through love. How does faith work? Through love. Faith works through love. What is Faith. See, and this is where we can't, don't, don't become religious. What is faith? See, faith isn't a denominational tag. Faith is what? It's the substance 
in you of something confidently expected. So faith is the substance of things hoped confidently expected. Faith is substance of that confident expectation. What is faith? The confident expectation become tangible. Confident expectation? Does that mean I just live through life with no expectation? No, because that's not faith. So what is it? Faith is getting up every day and expecting bigger and better, bigger and better in your life, bigger and better in your children's lives, bigger and better in your marriages, bigger and better. It's the expectation. If you think that's wrong, prove it in God's word. But I'm telling you, it's exactly what God's word's saying. The observation of faith is to believe that God is. That God is what? That God is real and what? He didn't stop there and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. What, a rewarder? That, that Greek word is one who pays wages. So God's saying this. His word's saying this. So we're looking at this. If you're looking through religious eyes, you're, you're deleting. You're like commentaries. They want to delete all this. They don't like scriptures like that. So they don't comment on them or they do a little tiny comment and they move on. You see, I've got, I've got tons of commentaries. It's so, it's laughable when they come to things like this. Because they have this religious understanding, religious view of what this is about. The Christian faith. And they lose sight of the empowerment of God's word. Look at these scriptures, these power scriptures, and they can't talk about them. But when we start realizing the word of God and allowing the whole word of God to instruct and teach us, things change. So we don't look at it with a view of read through it. We pay attention. Amen. We pay attention. Faith works through love. Okay, so it's important to understand that because when it comes down to the area of love, this is where a lot of people get really tripped up on, especially when they get to 1 Corinthians 13. They start seeing all the, the teaching of love, and all of a sudden you're like going, I don't do that, I don't do that, I, I'm not even close to this. And all of a sudden they're like going, I don't love, I don't love. And you'd be right, according to that scripture. But I, I'm going to show you something different. Not eliminating that from our lives, but I'm going to show you something different that's going to change your view of this whole thing to where I believe you can grow in these areas of being perfect in love. Not be perfect, but in the areas of his perfect word concerning love. Amen? 1 Corinthians 13, 13 says this, Now abide faith, hope, and love, but the greatest is love. Okay? The greatest is love. Now, last week we got into the scripture where Colossians says, put on love, right? Put on love. What do we do? Put on love. Now, when you look at that word, enduyo, what it means is, is that we have a part in our lives that we have to make a decision. Listen, majority of Christians out there have no concept of, this, of, of the word of God. They have a religious concept, but not the truth. And the reason why is because listen to what they do and how they do it. Everything in the walk is a blame game. Blame. Blame everything and anything except yourself. 
And what happens is, is we get false instruction, false teaching, false understanding of scripture, and it doesn't work. Well, what does that mean? If it doesn't work, then it's God's will or God didn't want it or God. And what do we do? Blame, blame, blame. It's, it's, it's common. This is normal. This is, if you want to hear Christianity, that's pretty much what you're going to hear. Or you can listen to what the Bible teaches, which there are going to be times when you don't get it, which is nothing wrong with that. You're growing. You don't go to a class, get the book, and all of a sudden, I get it. No, you get taught, you get instructed, you learn. And if you pay attention to the language, you would see that Scripture's filled with, and I'm talking about the New Testament, as well as the Old, but I'm talking about the New Covenant, ours, what we operate in, many, 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 many times it says, knowing this, know, known, been taught, received instruction. It's all about that understanding of growth in information. That's how we live our lives. That's a natural principle, natural truth, 100% spiritual truth. Amen? They, they, they both agree. So Colossians 3.13, put on love. I just don't love. I just don't have love. Because you're not putting it on. How do you put it on? How do you put your clothes on? They just magically appear? You just walk by the closet and it's... No, how? All of you. I can tell you what happened. You looked at your closet and you made a choice. You didn't just pick a shirt, pants, and that. You looked and made a decision. Oh, it's red today. It's blue today. And then you went accordingly with that. You determined this kind of pant or this kind of shirt, these kind of socks, whatever, these kind of shoes, whatever the case may be, you made a decision, you had a choice. Then after making that choice and that decision, you put it on. You didn't just make a choice. I'm going to wear blue today and stand there. Did you? No, you made a choice and then you put it on. Isn't that, true? Isn't that how it works? See, this is why men should be so much overpowering than women when it comes to the word of God. Because we can make a choice like that. Women like going, no, I'm going to lay out 20 things. I'm going to make 20 things out, and I'm going to take these different colors, and I'm going to put each one on and see if it talks to me. I just go to my love closet, okay, get on, love. No, I'm just kidding. That is funny, though, huh? The point is, and it's not because they're, they're, they have an inability to be, they just operate through the whole process of, of mood and everything. And, and we're totally different. Well, I know I am. Mine is, is, I know it fits, I'm putting it on. So it's going on, this is going on. But when we look at this, it says, put it on. So I have to make a choice to put on love. The Bible says, put on Christ. How come I'm not acting this way? How come I don't do this? How come, did you put on Christ? How come I keep getting defeated? How come I, my life's full of turmoil? How did you put on the whole armor of God? Not the wacko spiritual goofy teaching that they used to teach where you got up every morning and you had to physically put on the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. The sword. That's goofiness. 
That whole teaching on the armor of God is completely 100% tied to knowledge of each armor piece. Helmet guards what? The mind, brain, right? It's on the helmet. It's on the head, right? Put on the helmet of what? Salvation. What does that tell you? How do you guard your mind? See, right now, most people are like going, you have all kinds of answers to how to guard your mind. What's the scripture say? The knowledge of salvation will guard your mind. I can tell you right now, what screws up most people in this faith, in the Christian faith, is as they don't understand salvation. That's it. Not, not anything else. Salvation. They don't even understand the word salvation. Salvation is, is going to heaven on clouds where there's angels with little harps. That's how they, most people tie salvation. Are you saved? That means, are you going to heaven? That's not the Bible terms of salvation. That's a part of it, but that's not the Bible terms of salvation. But we because of religion, we define it that way. Instead of salvation on Monday morning. We don't, want, we don't think about salvation on Monday morning. Because salvation is about dying and going to heaven. And that's not what salvation is about. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. It is a part of what the word is. But it's not the meaning of it. Salvation is it's an all-inclusive term. There's all kinds of things. The protection and deliverance and, and healing, restoration. That's sozo salvation. But again, if we're just going to allow who you're listening to tell us what they know, we're losing out on the scripture. We're losing out on the word of God. Why am I teaching? Why do I teach this way? Because if you're married... I want your marriage to be best. If you're a parent, I want your children to have the knowledge and information because you're receiving it and you're instructing them and that they're going to be the greatest kids on planet Earth. This stuff is for us to be successful. Not to be losers, not to be failures in life, to be successful. How can you be the light of the world, illumination, or the salt of the earth, influence, if you lose and you're always losing and your house is a mess and your children are failures and everything you do is destruction, tell me how you can be light and salt, which Jesus commanded us to be. It's impossible. But what is possible is your light and salt because you're allowing that word to come alive in you and you're overcoming issues in your home. You're overcoming things in your family. You're overcoming issues with kids, with marriages, with jobs, because you have a greater sense of understanding of God's word, his destiny, his purpose for your life. And you don't quit. You don't give up. You keep pressing. You fight the good fight of faith. And that's how you live your life. So you don't roll over and play dead. You don't sit there in a in fetal position and whine and cry for weeks and months because no one likes you. You make a stand, you stand up, and you walk in the authority and the position that God himself believes in you to do as a child of his, operating in that divine position of being an heir of Christ. Woo! Things change, Amen. Things change. It's like putting on the new man. Take off the old, 
same Greek word, talking about taking off something. You have to make that decision. Putting on the new man. I don't know why my life stays the same. Are you putting on? Are you putting on what? What is the new man? Think about it. What is a new creation? Listen, think about life in general. When you talk about brand new, new creation, when you're talking about new, something has to happen. What? Well, that newness is a freshness. It's, it's something that has to have a new revelation, a new instruction. Information now has to be put in the new. That's why when Jesus said, you must be born again, and they, they, you know, they're looking at him like going, what, we got to get in our mother's womb again? He's, it's like, what, are you crazy? What you have to understand is, is you have to become a brand new person, not just based upon it takes place, but now what are you going to do with what has now become of you? You have to now allow Romans 12 to renew the mind. You bring in new information. That new information is putting on the new man, the new person the new woman. That's how we do it. That's the only way you're going to get change because change is not changed until it's changed. Amen? You can wish, pray, put it on, you know, your New Year's resolution. Nothing's going to happen. Never will. It's not going to happen until you do it. Once you do it, then it'll happen. Amen? So what's the true process or activation of faith? Romans 10, 17. So then faith comes. Comes is not in the, the Bible, by the way. If you look at your Bible, it's italicized. So we already, by that italicized word, we go through an assumption. Faith comes. So now we're saying, okay, this is how, but that's not what it says. It says, so then faith by hearing. The word by is ek or ex. E-K-E-X. And what that means is, it means abundance. Abundance. So the word is, say, faith, abundance. And then what's it say? Hearing. Faith, abundance, hearing. Pretty interesting now, huh? So then faith, abundance, hearing. That's not a kuyo, which is, I, I hear. And, and it's so important because there's a different understanding of how you're hearing. There's hearing, you stand and listen and you hear something. And that's not what the scripture is saying. It says, so faith by a koye. A koye is hearing and in the hearing, there's responsibility. And that's what the Greek word means. It's, it's hearing with understanding or no understanding. And what do I mean by that? Well, in the scripture, you'll see many times where they say, and you have ears to hear, but you do not understand. Akoye. Or they become dull of hearing. And that's all based upon a, a decision, a, a person saying, I don't want to hear. That's not what I want to believe. 
So hearing and hearing, they don't understand. The religious were like that. The Pharisees, the scribes, the Sadducees. They heard Jesus all the time. What did they do? They blocked up their ears. We don't want to hear that. But they heard him. Or people that hear the word of God, but you don't put action to it, and you start becoming dull of hearing. I see people have been in church a long time. They can become dull of hearing. Why? Because there's this attitude or sense of, I know everything. It's, the, it's a flesh nature. And so there's a shutoff valve. I've been there. I know exactly what that feeling's like. And it's so tricky. It's so ugly to believe that you believe that you know more or you don't need to learn. It's an ugly, ugly position to be in. I, 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 years ago, I made a decision, and this is after, you know, I mean years ago, when I did that ugly thing again where you send them going, well, whatever, they don't know what they're talking about. And I didn't even finish, let them finish what they were talking about. And I got so convicted about that in here. My spirit was like going, that was dumb. Because I heard myself say something, and then I realized, wait a minute. And this is what I've learned. And this is what I want you guys to start doing. And if you want to be successful, this is a good way to be. Pay attention to the fruit of who's speaking compared to your fruit. And it'll really sit in you straight. In other words, judge the person correctly and realize, man, I need to listen. Because their fruit in their life is so much more bountiful than my fruit in this area. So I told myself, shut up. You have no right. Keep your mouth shut. And then I listened to the rest of it and went, oh my gosh, this is awesome. But I caught myself there. So I, from that point, I came to the place where I, I'm, I'm not going to allow that. I'm not going to get to the place where I personally, I don't go into the Word of God. I don't study the Word of God acting like I know everything. I go in it as a, almost like, God, I'm a toddler, man. Just show me something. Whatever you want, whatever you want instruction, I'm going to follow that path. You don't know how many times. It's just like this teaching on, you know, the, the leaven and who the men said that I am. It's, I, I don't know how many times I've talked about these different scriptures. But I go in it with an attitude of, I don't know. And I want to read, and I read with not the reading of the, the, the concept of read the Bible, read the Bible, read the Bible. I believe that's the most destructive mindset of the Christian faith. It's not a novel. It's not some book you're trying to get to the end of the chapter with. It's, it's a manual. It's instruction. It's teaching. You don't go to the library and check out a calculus book. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, you're not going to look for that. You're looking for books to read. And the word of God is not a book to read. It's a book to study, to be instructed by. Not to determine if it agrees with you or not, but to submit to what it's instructing you in. And when you do that, your, your life changes. It's not simple. It's not easy. It goes contrary to everything we know. But it's the new creation life. And it's a good thing. It's a great thing. And that's what we want, right? What, or do we want to come to church and it not really be relevant? We leave and go, hey, I get a brownie button. I went to church. 
I, I mean, I, I, I was done with that years ago. It's just not, I'm not doing that. It, it, it's either going to work on Monday or I'm closing the doors. I don't care. It's not worth it. Either this is life and it impacts my Monday or it's a joke. We're wasting our time. But I find that this word is not a waste of time and it is for your life on Monday. And once you get it through your head and understand that, then you get this information in a whole different light. It's gonna make your lives better. It'll make your personal life better. If you're married, it'll make your marriage better. It'll make your, it, it gives you the opportunity. Let's put it that way. It's not gonna magically do it. It's gonna give you the opportunity, okay? Y'all hearing me? Okay. So he says, faith is exceeding abundant in the hearing and hearing of what? The word of God. Not the logos, the word of God. And that's, I, I believe in, in my understanding of scripture and what I see in scripture. If you read Jesus's communication on, on word, it's logos. And that's written word. Jesus' written word. He studied the word. He's the written word. And then the rhema is used in areas that are different than the written word. Rhema is not anti-written word. It agrees 100% with written word. But it's that area where, all right, let's put it this way. Do you see anywhere in the scripture, in the Old Testament, because the New Testament's not written yet, where Jesus is on, on, walking on the water, and in the Old Testament it says, and when God is walking on the water, he will say, come, and you come, and you will walk on water. Is that in the Old Testament? Anywhere in the Old Testament? Okay, so that's not Logos. Are you guys hearing? But Jesus, who is the word, spoke, come. And Peter did what? He came. And what happened? He walked on water. Are you guys hearing that? That is rhema. It's a rhema where Peter, Jesus told Peter, Logos, the rooster's going to crow three times. You're going to deny me. Logos. It happens. Rhema takes place. And he remembered Rhema, the, 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 the statements. So I believe that Rhema is that place where God is speaking to you. The, the words in your spirit are speaking. That They're speaking and that revelation of that word, which is lined up with the logos. I, listen, I heard people get this crazy and take rhema into it. Well, the Lord told me and the Lord did this. And it's contrary to what scripture says. That's not rhema. That's, you know, that's you. All right. We're not taking God's word and, and using it as a crutch for our flesh or for our desires. No. Rhema's going to line up 100% with what God's word says. And rhema is not, you need to go to this college. That's a choice you make. That's a position of faith you make. All right? Listen, if God's telling you to go to college, God's going to pay for the college. So if you tell me God's telling you to go to college, and you go to college, and all of a sudden you got a $20,000 you know, bill now. Well, God told me to go. Okay. I'm just saying that we're using God for an excuse in a lot of areas we ought not to be using. 
Now, that doesn't mean that God can't help you in a decision to go to college because Scripture says, follow after peace. So you might have a decision. I want to go to the right one for what I want. And you ask in the Lord, help me on this decision. And you'll follow peace. You go, I just believe it's this one. But the problem is, is some of you using God and all of a sudden all hell breaks out in your college and now it's God to blame. God told me to go. I couldn't even make it through freshman. I'm out and I got all those bills now. I'm just using myself as a, I am. I'm using myself as an example. Two years of Bible college, 20 years of bill payments. And I told God, God told me to go. I honestly don't even know if God told me to go, but that's what you said back then. And that's all I knew. That was that charismatic thing. You know, well, God told me to go to Bible college. No, you know what it was? The guy who led me to Jesus, the one who I loved and who I trusted was going to Bible college. And I thought, well, if he's going, I'm going. But God told me to go. Isn't that crazy? Now, I uh, listen, God isn't going to go, man, you move there, I'm done. That's not how God works. He works in our dumbness. He works in our bad decisions, Right? So we're going to do things that are off. We're going to do things that are wrong. But God isn't going, okay, you just sang a song of my love never fails, but it fails right there. It, that's not how it works. We don't do perfect. We press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling. We're trying to be the best husband, the best wife, the best parent. We're doing that. We're working toward that. But we ain't perfect. Jesus is. We're not. Amen. Y'all got that? Just do this. There's the realism of Scripture right there. Thank you, Jesus. Amen? So we see that love never fails. We see that our position of our life is, is faith operating with what? Understanding. Faith works by love. Love never fails. Faith operates in the understanding that love never fails. Well, the, the word failure means to bring to destruction, non-production, um, breakdown, off the course. Love never does those things, never quits. So when you look at this, you're all of a sudden going, okay, love is a little different than what I believe love is. And by defining it correctly, it will change your life. First John 4, 8 is God is love. So what are we doing now? Well, we're, we're looking at love in the area of the supporting power of faith. And we're recognizing ultimately this is about faith. Faith in operation, right? And, and faith in operation means we're having expectation. If we're doing this correctly, it's me getting up. Are you guys listening to me? Listen, listen, please. We're missing out on the greatest life right now, on earth that is in heaven. We're missing out because we're not having great expectation every day. We're living life every day. We're existing every day. But without faith, it is what? Sin. 
And what does that mean? Without faith, you're off the mark. That's it. Without faith, you're off the mark. God wants you to get up every day in faith. What does that mean? You need to have confident expectation. Working every day. I'm just, I'm trying to help you break this monotonous life. There should be something every day you're expecting, you're believing for. Not that it has to happen that day, but you have this, 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 this drive up here saying, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I'm going to tell you right now, that attitude will bring a lot of loved ones that you know that have gone away from God back in. I believe the power of that belief and faith can impact those people's lives. Not that your faith can change their will, but I believe your faith can give them an atmosphere that can help them change their will. Because a lot of times we lose power over people just because of familiarity. We need other people impacting their lives. We lose sight of that. We need one another. But we also need other people. And by faith and expectation, you can bring the world that doesn't even know Jesus involved in that decision. I mean, it's amazing what can happen. But again, it's all tied to this place of faith. But through love, God is love. God not operates in love. God is love. So he operates in love. In other words, we're not talking about God makes a choice. No, God is love. There's a, it's important to understand that because we tie the understanding of salvation, the under, understanding of who we are as followers of Jesus to a, a religious concept. You gotta get down to what's the truth. What does God's word say? God is love. Then you need to, brothers and sisters, take it to the next level. What is love? All you have to do is start seeing that. What is love? Do you understand what I'm saying? That's like going, doing this. What is God? What is love? What is God? I told you at the beginning, this information right here will transform and change your whole life. Because what we do mainly, and I've been, you know, I've been guilty in this area too, is we go to the love chapter, we go to the areas of love, and we start trying to get you to do this. And all of a sudden you read that and you guilt, 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 guilt. And it's so difficult because everything in the Bible concerning love is so high, so far away almost. Love does this. I don't do that. Love is this way. Sometimes you get to one close, you're like going, yeah, but close doesn't make it. And then you start really looking at close and going, well, maybe I'm not that close because you really start looking at what that means. Well, I can be close when it's a good friend of mine, but when it's not, I don't think I can do it. So all of a sudden you start going, oh, I got to get further back. And what happens is we lose sight of the foundational truth of the scriptures. So if, you take, if I can take you to that place where you start going, wait a minute, because of security, security in everything that we do as Jesus followers, everything, it's tied to one thing. God truly loved me unconditionally. That's it. Over everything. 
I can teach you the ABCs of power prayer. I can teach you how to, you know, look in the spirit realm. I can teach you how to prophesy. I can, I can teach you all, go into all kinds of, quote, the keys to your successful life as a believer. And you'll fail in everything because you do not believe that God unconditionally loves you. And that's the power of the enemy over our lives. And until you have a foundation of that, you're, you're always going to be hurt. I know this. I have a foundation of his love. It took years. But once I got that, it doesn't matter if I fail, if I'm successful. It, nothing matters now. If I get it or I don't get it, because I know he loves me. No matter what, it doesn't matter. Now, because I know he loves me, I strive to become better. I strive to press. I do the things that his words teaches, but he loves me, period. And no one, no one, spiritual, physical, no one, yesterday, today, or forever, can knock me off that belief. So I can screw up in this area or that area or whatever. It just, it, it's not going to stop. I know my God loves me unconditionally. One of the key things is when I was able to go to 1 Corinthians 13 and to read it this way. Verse 4. God is patient. God is kind. God isn't jealous he doesn't sing his own praises. He isn't arrogant. God isn't rude. He doesn't think about himself. He isn't irritable. He doesn't keep track of wrongs. He isn't happy when injustice is done, but he's happy with truth. God never stops being patient, never stops believing, never stops hoping. God never gives up. God never comes to an end. You can read it that way and know that exactly, exactly the truth of God's word toward you. It'll be a little easier to start becoming mature in these areas because the foundation is this. Even if you can't make it there, he loves you. Father, we thank you for your word, the truth of the word of God. And I believe that this information can take us to that next level. And everything is about getting to the next level. Getting this information in our hearts to where we become founded and secured in these elementary principles, but so powerful of who you are to us. First John makes it very clear that you first loved us. And your proof in that love is that you sent Jesus to become sin for us. You not only speak it, but you prove it. So we should be completely 100% secure in your love toward us. And when we are, we then now can look at these truths in a different light. And we can understand ultimately what the power of love and faith are meant for. And again, it's tied to your love for us. So we thank you for the word and we thank you for the revelation of this word for our lives 
so that Monday is going to be the greatest day. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. All right. Love you guys. Thanks again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.